pray for us, Carrie. Father, pray I for the president. Yes. I thank you for this morning, Lord, and I thank you, uh, Father, for your truth, and I thank you that you have called us out and set us on a sure foundation, the foundation of Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice, and we thank you that you rose from the dead and you defeated sin and death, and that you are our advocate. We thank you that we live in a country where we have freedom to come and to worship together. And I lift up our president to you, Donald Trump. Father, and I pray that you would protect him, Lord. I pray, Father, that he would be able to continue to stand against the attacks of his enemies and the enemy. And I pray, Father, that he would uh, just seek you with everything that he has. Pray for uh, Vice President Pence that he would continue to stand firm in his faith. And I pray that he would be a good influence over Donald Trump. And I pray, Father, that they, together along with the cabinet, would continue to rule this country and make decisions that would honor you, regardless of what is being said about them in the government and in the media. And we just ask for protection for him and for his family. And we ask, Father, that he would be reelected as he is going to run again. And we thank you for favor upon him and his life and for this country, Lord. And we ask that you would bless our time together today. In Jesus' name.
Father, I pray, God, that would be our heart's desire, Lord. God, that we would seek you with our whole heart. God, that we wouldn't continue to hold on to our lives. That, God, we would truly know what it is to be a disciple. One who denies himself, picks up their cross, and follows you daily. God, that we would be about our Father's business, Lord. But truly, God, it's all about your kingdom. There's work to be done, Father. As I've been praying, as I will continue to pray, I, I pray that we would collectively pray together, Lord, for laborers, Father, to go forth into the harvest, Lord. And that we would be a part of those laborers going, being effective in our witness and in our counsel. God, doing the, the planting and the watering and Father trusting you for the harvest. There's nothing that in and of ourselves that we can do to advance your kingdom, Father. It's all of your doing. You've called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light to go forth into a darkened world to be the light. To be your hands and your feet. To declare the good news of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. pray, God, that you would increase our discernment and our boldness, our compassion and our love, our service, that we wouldn't live so self-absorbed lives, God, but, Father, that we would truly live yielded lives, empowered by your Holy Spirit, accomplish your will in this generation. Awaken us, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it's living by God's power. For the kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk, and, and we've been sharing this and we've been discussing it for since January and now I want to encourage us to continue to meditate upon the scripture to really allow the truth of the scripture to tear down the walls within our hearts that keep the truth from coming forth from our lives we see we can't just be a lot of talk as I said last week our ignorance and our sin is not cute there's nothing cute about it. There's nothing cool about it. It's actually being used by the enemy to lead others to hell. We need to have a disgust for sin 
as much as God does. <laughs> Remember the scripture we read last week, that the anger of God, the wrath of God is coming because of sin. We can look upon the cross and see the horror of what sin costs. Our Savior's body mutilated, stripped, beaten to, to where he was even recognizable. He took that for us. But the message of Jesus is not just the cross. And as we've been studying, as we've been reading his word, we understand this, or we should have an understanding of it. There's a lot of people who are calling themselves Christians, and what they worship is the God, the dead one, on the cross. And that image of Christ is not the image that we worship. Because if our message was just the cross, there would be no hope. The message of the Christian, the message of the Christian church is the risen Savior. The one who was resurrected. The one who defeated sin and death. The one who empowers his creation to live free from sin and death. To live a victorious life through the power of his resurrection, because what I keep putting back in front of us, because this is what the word of God keeps putting back in front of us, <laughs> is that God, in his divine purpose and plan, sent his son to set us free. No longer enslaved to the old man, enslaved to the old woman, but a new life comes forth. That we are born again. And remember, you're a Christian if your belief is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that you believe that in your heart, and then you confess with your mouth that he's still on the cross. No, 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 no. That's not what scripture says. It's the belief in your heart that he is the son of God and your confession is that he rose from the dead. That and that alone saves you. And I keep challenging us. You can't keep confessing that if you don't believe it. Because I want you to hear, each of us, what we're saying we believe and what we're confessing. Because your lifestyle should then begin to be transformed into that belief and that confession. And last week I kept challenging us, our, we need to shift our mindset from thinking the old way and begin to live out this new way. Jesus himself said, you cannot enter my kingdom unless you are born again, born of the Spirit. And I know, I know we want to dumb him down. I know we want to remain ignorant. I know we want to strip him of his power and, and take what we want and not have the whole counsel of the word of God. But that doesn't make you a Christian. 
Just because you know a few verses or you can talk about God doesn't make you a Christian. A Christian is one who believes in their heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and their confession is that he rose from the dead. And in that resurrection, as we read last week, he stripped the enemy of his power. He stripped sin of its power. He stripped the world of its power. So what are you doing? Laying with the enemy. <laughs> Enslaved to your flesh. Desired of all the things that the world has. That's not how a Christian lives. That's not how a Christian lives. And who would want to believe in a God who says this is what he accomplished and yet not experience the fullness of what he has. And that's where man gets involved with religion. And man begins to pick and choose to make excuses for their sin nature to live however they want. And they create this idol and they slap Jesus' name on it and say, this is the God we'll serve. And God all along is going, no, 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 no. That is not who I am. That is not who I am. No. We have to take the whole counsel of the word of God. And if we truly believe, if our confession is truly what we know to be true, then we would seek him with everything we've got. Say, God, I'm yours. I believe. I believe that you are the son of God, that you rose from the dead, that you stripped the enemy of his power, that you stripped that old sinful nature of its power, and you stripped the world of its power, and yet I'm still here, empowered by your Holy Spirit, and your word says that if I walk continually in your spirit, I will not gratify the desires of my flesh. And yet we're comfortable with the perversion and the lust that runs through our hearts. We're comfortable with the lies and the deception and the manipulation that comes from our lips. The gossiping, the backbiting. It doesn't make sense. And I've been telling you, there's a transformation coming to this earth. There's a move, there's an awakening that's taking place in people's hearts. To say, wait a minute, they're, they're shaking off the sleepingness. There's, a, there's an awakening of going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where we've been? What have we been doing? Why am I believing the lies of the enemy? Why am I allowing sin to be my master? And I was saying to y'all last week, you can't keep cowering down to sin. The very thing that's been defeated, why are we cowering down to it? Why are we giving ourselves to it? See, as much as we exerted energy in our old lives to become that old man or that old woman is just as much energy that you have to put in every single day to grow and to mature as a Christian. As one who bears the image of Christ. Like last week when I was encouraging us, we, Christ is in us. <laughs> And we take him where we go. And are we truly comfortable 
and acting and doing and saying and going to places where Christ himself is not honored. And yet we keep calling ourselves Christians. Oh, we got to wake up. Either you are or you aren't. There's no middle line. And as I was sharing on Wednesday, and as scripture says, Jesus himself says, I would you rather you be cold or hot, because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And do you remember as the scriptures that we've been reading, when he gets in the Pharisee's face, the religious people's face, and he says, you're going to die in your sin. They thought they were right with God. They thought they knew it all. In fact, they knew nothing. They knew nothing. And Jesus tells them. Remember the little exchange they had we read a few weeks ago? Who's your daddy? And Jesus says, no. Your father is the devil because you're doing his work. See, it's really clear of whom we're serving. Take a look at your lives. Before you look at anyone else's, take a look at your own. Who are you serving? Who is your master? Because at the end of the day, at the end of the hour, when you take your last breath, that is your final destination. No matter how you think you're going to spin this to make it work for you. No, 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 no. You must be born again of the Spirit. And if you're not, you're not saved. And we better hear it. We better awaken to what's happening in this generation. I keep telling you all, it's getting darker. It's getting crazier. I mean, everything that this word has said is coming to pass. If you've been around me for a few months, I've, it's a running joke. I say it's like living in one of these weird Christian movies at the end times. It's the most craziest thing. You wake up and it's darker. Things are getting crazier and crazier. And Christians, and I use that term loosely, are going along with it. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, well, you know, well, do, live however you want. What, what does God really say? Christians don't even know how to stand up for truth. Because truth has an impact on their lives. And the reality is they're really not Christians. And how sad. Because people are sitting in churches all throughout the world, especially this nation. Service after service, service after service, and yet there's no change in their hearts or in their homes. There's no change coming forth. There's no resurrection power being displayed. So... What we know to be then is that we're just all talk. Our belief and our confession isn't really our belief or our confession. Because the Bible is very clear. As you think, so you go. As you think, so you go. As you think, so you go. You will know them by their fruits. And so we got to take a look, you all. Like I 
I said on Wednesday night, the other day when I was watching the waves roll in and, and the, from the ocean, and I said, God, like, you, like when you boogie board, like in order to really get it right, you, you gotta time it perfectly. You gotta line yourself up and, and you keep looking. And just when you're ready, you get down and that wave hits you and just carries you in. And I said, God, that's kind of what you're doing with the church today. Like we've been in that waiting period, looking. <laughs> He's positioning us. I believe there's going to become this great awakening is going to take place on this earth to the truth of the kingdom of God and the power of God. Not the counterfeit that we've been seeing. There's a huge counterfeit move of God moving upon the earth. And we're not to get caught up in it. We're to be waiting. We're to be waiting. Because when that wave hits, it's going to carry in. It's going to take forth the true believers, the remnant of God's people, who is going to raise up in a time and look out the darkness and say, No, let there be light. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready for that? What I'm sharing with you is not anything that God hasn't done within me. There's an awakening taking place. Like, I just can't settle anymore. I just can't settle for the breadcrumbs. You're just like, oh, okay. It's just like, no, no. There's an awakening taking place. Like, oh, God. Are we ready? Like, I'm telling you, look at what's going on. Look at what's happening in the world, in our nation, in our very own lives, in our families. And then look at your role in the midst of it. Are you an image bearer of Christ? Or are you just a Pharisee? who has a lot of words, but no power. No power. See, the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. And if you're not living by God's power, I would rather you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit beginning to awaken you. So what am I doing? God, I love you. God, I'm sorry. And you let true repentance come forth. Not some weird repentance. Like a genuine repentance. We must hate sin as much as God hates it. That is whom we're saying we are belong to. And if we don't belong to him, then live however you want. Do whatever you want. You have a right. That's why we don't hate the lost. We have compassion because we once were there, but we shouldn't be mixed in among them. No. We should be like, oh, God. Like, you should be developing spiritual disciplines in your life. 
prayer, fasting, fellowship, devotion, giving. Like your life is changing. You are a new creation. Who are you now? Remember I told you on every day you should be waking up. God, my life is not my own. I belong to you. And God, the areas of my heart that is out of order, then Holy Spirit, come. I yield to you. I want to learn of you. I'm tired of exhausting myself trying to do what is right. I can't. But you can. You can. And the Christian life is one empowered by the Holy Spirit, by the belief of the confession that you are saying that you believe and that you're confessing. This resurrected life. He's a victorious God. He is sitting on the throne, you all. He is high and lifted up. (laughs) And everything is working out according to his plan. You see, his kingdom is advancing with you or without you. <laughs> the enemy is advancing too, like I've been saying over the past couple of weeks. But his plan can never thwart God's plan. Because actually the enemy's plan is part of God's purpose. His days are numbered. God ultimately will have his final say. (laughs) And those who believe and those who confess will be ushered in to his presence. Remember what the word says. It's only going to be Two, one of two things, one phrase you're going to hear when you stand before him. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in. Or you're going to hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you. Oh, but I went to church. I did this. I did that. I did that, 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 that. I don't know you. And you say, how can a loving God do that? And I keep telling you, how could a loving God not do that? Oh, we blame God for everything. But God is just and God is right. No, the question is not about questioning God. It's questioning you. How could you turn from a loving God and go your way? When he is time and time and time and time and time and time and time again has revealed himself to you. And you, by your own very actions and thoughts and words and deeds and heart, stiff on him and say, no, (laughs) you're not God. I am. I'm going to live how I want and do what I want and live by my desires. How could you refuse such great love? That is the question, and that's what I keep challenging all of us with. Do you realize the very essence of what mankind is searching for to be loved? (laughs) Love himself 
has revealed himself, and that is who we're rejecting for this type of love. <laughs> this temporal, fast-fading away, here today, gone tomorrow love. And for what? Oh, because that's just how I feel. That's just who I am. That's just what I want. Ah, okay. You're going to hear either one. You don't find in Scripture, no matter how mankind wants to keep perverting or twisting or tearing it down, give you any other option. From the beginning till the end, he's the same. He's the same. And there's no way around it. There's no way around it. I can't force you to live right. I can just encourage you to give your heart to Jesus. To give your heart to Jesus, you all. He longs for you. For you to abide in Him. Like not here today and gone tomorrow, here today, gone tomorrow. No, uh, to abide, to remain in Him, to trust in Him. And listen, I keep telling you, I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. There's a war for your soul. The enemy wants to snatch you up. The flesh wants to keep you enslaved. The world wants to keep bombarding you. But by your confession, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who has been raised from the dead. Oh, you should be declaring it all throughout your day. You need to start warring back. You're getting your butts whipped. And your family's butts are being slaughtered too. And no one is standing up. And the truth that we say we believe. Oh, we've got to become warriors. We've got to start standing up with our sword in our hand, with our shield up, with our helmets on. with the breastplate of righteousness, with our feet fitted. And we better start realizing, oh God, this is true. This is all true. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? I'm either in line with the enemy or I'm in line with Jesus. And Jesus himself says, there's no other way around it. There's no other way. You are either for me or you're against me. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And it is hard. I've never, as long as you have known me, have not peddled a soft gospel to you. And I never will because I love you all too much. I care for your eternities. I never want you just to come in and think, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. No, I want you to hear if you're not a Christian, you're not a Christian. But there's hope for you. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. 
He can turn your life around. The hardest thing in my life was to get up from my knees and say, oh God, okay, I'm yours. Not because I was forced, but because how could I not? He loved me. And how can you not? He loves you. He loves you. And so today's lesson is part two of last week's. I'm challenging you all to grow in the knowledge of God and in our Lord Jesus Christ. To grow in the knowledge of God and in our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the enemy wants to keep you ignorant. (laughs) Remember I told you he doesn't mind that you have Jesus on your lips. (laughs) You're a threat to him when you have him in your heart. Like darkness trembles at Jesus. And darkness should be trembling when you get up and you walk through your day. It shouldn't be hanging out with you. It shouldn't be within you. Because you are the light. You are connected to the source of love and the power to go through your day victorious, no matter your circumstances. See, the Christian life isn't based on your circumstances. No, your Christian life is based on Jesus Christ. Because in this world, you will have trouble. And listen, and listen, and wake up. Because just because there's going to be a shifting, and righteousness is going to come forth, there's going to be a huge backlash. But we must remember that the gates of hell cannot prevail. Christians are not going to be welcome much longer on this earth. And I challenge you over the past couple weeks, are you ready for that day? Are you ready for that day? Because it's here and now. The, the slaughtering of Christians overseas is at the highest it's ever been, and it's only increasing. The moral decay in our nation is eroding quickly. And Christians who are standing up are being pushed back on in our nation. There are laws and legislations that are in not only local governments, but now in our national government that will silence churches and preaching of the gospel. Businesses are being targeted if they stand upon Christian beliefs. Are you ready? Are you ready? Listen. He tells us what is to come. 
And we're out there peddling this weird gospel to people. Are you kidding me? Is this a joke? Like, wake up. (laughs) Wake up. Because the enemy knew what to do to destroy our nation. I told you all. Don't believe me? Go research it. I'll give, you, I'll give you stuff that you can go read. Not just from Christian people, but from secular people who aren't Christians. To destroy our nation, they had to come in and destroy the church. They had to water down the gospel. They had to pervert it. Now sin just exists in our church. And the very one in whom we're saying we believe in, the very one who was resurrected is not even amplified in churches anymore. No, it's just a show people put on. Make you feel good. Give you what you want. But they knew what to do. Just as they've done in every other country. Take their faith from them. Then you have their nation. And I'm telling you all, I'm telling y'all, you better wake up. Socialism is a godless form of government. And it's here. And it's being peddled to the church. And Christians are feasting off of it. And it doesn't look cute. Look at Venezuela. Those poor people, they fell prey to it. Look at every other country that it has tried. It's done with. Look at our nation. How on earth did we get here? Because the church lost her identity. She stopped believing and her God. Oh, we better wake up. We better wake up. I heard this man say the other day, America has to collapse in order for the one world government to take place. We don't know that in the time or the day, and this was a man who back at the beginning, 1960s, was one of the formative leaders of the left. And you hear this man talk. You listen to what they have plotted. And he says, in order for the agenda of the one world government to take its place on this earth, America has to go away with. Because as long as America is a nation built on capitalism, it's a nation built on faith, is a nation built on liberty and justice for all, every other country is going to say, we want to be like America. 
And there's people in our nation that hate our nation. There's people sitting in churches that spew hatred towards this nation. And you call yourself a Christian. How does that make sense? We better wake up. There is going to come a day where America has to collapse. Why? Not because of man's doing, but because of God's plan. There's a one world government a coming, you all. But don't forget who's behind it. Satan. So keep cursing America and cursing its leadership. Keep voting in agreement with leftist policies because they keep promising you everything. And you're in agreement with Satan. I don't believe that. Oh, well, then you're ignorant. <laughs> and I said, wake up. Wake up. Oh, there's going to come a time. It's all going to erode. But let us pray as the church. God, have mercy on this nation. God, extend your mercy on this nation. God, give us time to wake up and to be about our Father's business in this nation. To go forth proclaiming the truth, upholding standards of righteousness. Start passing legislation that protects the innocent. Start doing what is right and honorable so others around the world can look and say, there is hope. There is hope. Don't take hope from the world, Lord. Because once our nation falls, that's it. Soon the Antichrist will take his place in the form of a bodily man. <laughs> and all hell is going to hit this place. Oh, I don't believe it. Oh, well, <laughs> that's you. But I'm telling you, Everything that I used to mock at as an unbeliever, everything I used to hear years ago and go, oh, these people are crazy. It's all happening, you all. Rather you believe in Jesus or not, rather you're a follower of Jesus or not, it is happening with or without you. Everything that God has purposed and planned. And then, then with that understanding and that knowledge, how are we remaining Enslaved to sin. Enslaved to all the junk. Just living however we want, just existing through our days. Now, come on. Oh, there's yet but a short time, you all. Whose lives are you making a difference in? I don't want to offend anybody. Offend them. Because <laughs> you're doing it in love. Love offends. Speak truth. Live right. Honor God. Honor authority. That's why I keep telling you, it doesn't make sense. 
and the natural for governments to be slaughtering Christians. Why? Because Christians are who you would want. The Bible says, how should a Christian live their life? Minding their own business. Being peaceful. Serving diligently. Not lying. Not manipulating. Not perverted. Good stewards of what God has entrusted them with. The best employers em- employers and employees. They're not looking out to get above. <laughs> no, they're just there to serve and they work as unto their Lord. They're peaceful people. They obey authority. And yet they're being slaughtered. So it just goes to show you, it is not here in the natural realm. It's of that realm that we can't see, but we can discern. Oh, that God would awaken our discernment. And it's the enemy saying, Slaughter them. Kill them. Because they bring hope to those who are lost. See, you remove hope and the people remain enslaved. So Christian, if you're calling yourself a Christian, do you have hope today? Or have you been captive? do people see in your life? Captivity? Enslavement? Insecurities? Weakness? Or do they see one who's been liberated? No matter your circumstances, full of life, embracing each day with, with the mindset of Christ that thy kingdom come, that thy will be done. God, use me this day to serve and to love others. I don't want to think of me first. God, I just want to honor you. How may I serve you and others? How can I go forth this day denying myself, picking up my cross, and following you? Oh, Holy Spirit, keep me in step with you. And if I dare to step out, be quick to bring conviction. That I might live and impact the generation I was purposed for. Don't forget your purpose. Why do you think the enemy is hounding you? To keep you ignorant and to keep you down. To keep you enslaved. You're purposed for such a time as this. Your purpose for this crazy generation that's getting darker. Your purpose to burn bright. Let's go to Colossians real quick. Just to backtrack before we go into a short little letter today. But let's go to Colossians. It's after Philippians. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 
through 12. And if you didn't listen to last week's message, it's on the webpage. <laughs> Go listen to it this week. Because we looked through the letter of Colossians. <laughs> but we're not going to review all of it. But I want to get this portion back in front of us. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 12. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to do what you want. No, it doesn't say that. But the reality is, that's how the majority of people sitting in churches are living. Listen to the instruction to the church. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him. And let your lives, look at this, be built on Him. Then, you understand that? Did you hear what was just read? Because if you're not doing what was just read, you've got nothing. But if you do what was just read, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And look, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Christian, this is your life. This is who you are now. Forsaking all others, forsaking yourself... And desiring more of Him. <laughs> Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding, look at this nonsense, that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Don't get carried away with the nonsense that's out there. Don't get carried away with how people are going to re react towards you. Don't fight back. I watch things on social media. And these trolls get these Christians all fired up. And I say, don't lose your witness over them. Just remain steadfast in Christ. Just keep giving them Jesus. Jesus does not need your help to defend who he is. Just live for him. Don't be a lot of talk. Let the power of God be displayed. Why aren't they responding? They're not responding. Oh, we must have won. Make what you want. You didn't win. <laughs> and the same if you're face-to-face -face with people. People want to challenge you on your face. Faith, don't fight them. Stand true to what you know. And stand there for and if God gives you the words to speak, speak. If not, shut up. We must use wisdom. And I love the fact, look, from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world. Look at this, verse 9. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. So... You also are complete through your union with Christ 
who is the head over every ruler and authority. Do you see that? I challenge you all, circle it, highlight it, go sit in this scripture this week, and then ask yourself, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Like you have to be honest with you have to have an honest assessment of your walk with Christ. Don't remain ignorant. Why am I why am I here? Why am I why is this easily just coming out of my mouth? Why am I thinking these thoughts? Why am I being moving over here? Why is my life not lined up with truth? Oh God help me. And he's quick. No matter how far you've gone or where you're at, he's quick to come and embrace you and heal you. And look at what it says here. You are complete through your union with Christ. Because when that truth is your reality, you won't be searching out here to try to find your completeness. Well, I'm complete when I have this, and I have that, and I have this person, that person, that person. Oh, this person doesn't complete me, so I'll try this person. Oh, that doesn't complete me, well, then I'll try this. And then you're looking everywhere. And our youth today, (laughs) they're so shattered and broken. They're looking for everything and anyone to complete them. And what they need to see is the lives of the adults that are influencing them complete so that you can train them up in the way in which they should go because when you're complete you live differently you think differently you don't have to be that broken individual anymore you don't have to get up every day and just see yourself broken of no value of no hope No, when you're complete, when you know that you know, when you get up, no matter what your circumstances are, when you get up and you know the completeness in Christ, whatever may come, God, I trust you. I just want to honor you. I just want to abide in you. Because there's nothing else out there. See, going through what I've gone through over these past years, Expecting these weird diagnoses, expecting the worst to come forth. I had to really abide in Christ and say, it doesn't matter what the diagnosis comes to be. Because it doesn't change my position in you. It doesn't matter what my circumstances are because it doesn't change my position in you. It doesn't matter if this world crumbles all around me. I was watching the show last night. And in this show, they just they 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 kind of showed what, what would happen if our power grid collapsed or was attacked here in our nation. And there's threats against our power grid. Chaos. Civilization as we know it goes down and does not come back. That's how vulnerable we are as a nation. I said, God, if that took place, who people are not going to know who they are? But God made the church know who she is. 
because we're in Christ. It doesn't matter the circumstances that are around us. And I said to myself, can the church really live that way? Oh, yes, she can, Rob. Look on the other side of the earth. The church does not have the luxuries we have here. In fact, this morning, there was a group of Christians heading to their place of worship that has been bombarded, bombed in rubbles. They slaughtered the, the pastor, his family, and the leaders of the church in front of all of them. And yet they showed up this morning to stand there in the place where it happened to worship. Knowing good and well the very ones who did that to them are still out there looking at them. What motivates someone to have that type of faith? They're complete in Christ. They know that they know that they know whom they belong to. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. And listen, I told you all Wednesday night to highlight, to circle, to, to, to stay in this scripture that's about to come up. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. And what was that? The cutting away of your sinful nature. Did y'all hear that? Did you see it? Do you understand it? It's a removal. It's a cutting away. So then, why is sin mastering you? Oh, but we're just sinners. We're just humans. This is just how we live. Just whatever. Live by your desires. God loves you. God doesn't care. The devil is a liar. And you better stop speaking for the devil. <laughs> He's cut it away. And no matter what language you want to read this in, <laughs> it means the same. Christ accomplished what Christ came to do. He cut it away. He destroyed it. He defeated it. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to a new life. Not the old life. Not the same old humdrum life. No, to a new life. Why? Because you trusted. Look at this. Please don't miss this because you trusted the mighty power of God who nailed Christ and kept him on the cross. That's not what it says. And with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Come on. So the next time 
you go to touch something, to watch something, to say something, to think something of that old man or old woman, oh, you better remind yourself that old nature has been cut away. You don't have power me, power over me any longer. I don't live at your command. I live at the command of the one who saved me. Do you talk that way? Oh, you better start. Because the days are getting darker. Go to 2 Peter. That's where we're closing today. 2 Peter. And as you're turning there, let me just give you an overview of this. Like a road sign warning of things ahead. Peter's second letter, written shortly before his death, alerts readers to the coming return of the Lord. In light of the Lord's imminent return, Peter urges his readers, look at this, or hear this, to live lives that would glorify God. He also cautioned them to watch out for false teachers who would distort the gospel. These evil workers will receive their punishment when the Lord returns. Peter instructed his readers to pay no attention to scoffers who cast doubt into the minds of believers regarding the return of the Lord. He assured them that the Lord would indeed return and establish a new heaven and a new earth. The letter closes with a final comment about Paul's letters. Noting that they are difficult to understand, Peter warned his readers about those who might twist Paul's words to justify their own lawless actions. And he encouraged believers to continually to grow in their knowledge of Jesus Christ. What is going to protect you from these dark days that are ahead and upon us? Your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Your belief and your confession. You're not going to get swept away with all of these false teachings from the beginning. From the birth of the church. Satan has done his bidding to come in and distort God's truth. But we must not fall prey to it. I told you all, whenever you hear the gospel being preached, that gives you the right to yourself to act as ugly as you want, to be as bound as you want, to live however you want, and my God loves you. <laughs> oh, you better run from it. And that's the popular teaching today. God loves you. He really doesn't expect you to live right. He knows your weakness. He understands how you're formed and you're created. He doesn't live however you want. Jesus, Jesus. And they're being led to the slaughter. They're being led to the slaughter. They're being led to the slaughter. 
And where are the Christians who need to be in front of them going, no, no, turn back, turn back. Yes, God loves you. But his love for you, he gave one for you. His son, Jesus. You've been deceived. The Jesus in which you believe in is not the son of God. Because Jesus, the son of God, has defeated sin and death. He wouldn't allow you to remain bound to the very thing that he cut away. We just can't have them march by us singing their kumbaya songs, thinking thinking that they're worshiping Jesus when in reality they're not. So I am concerned. And I pray that you're not on that path of destruction with Jesus in your lips, on your lips, but not in your heart. Don't be in agreement with hell, you all. Do not, do not downplay or water down the gospel. Your sin will find you out. It may be when you take your last breath. But trust me, oh, everything about you is already known to Christ. And that is who you're going to answer to. Oh, we better wake up. He's not coming back as a little baby. He's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's coming back, you all. And his wrath is coming because of sin. So don't play lightly with it. Don't play lightly with it or just pat people on the head. Oh, Because they could die right there. And there's no turning back from that. I know we like to, and I've always said this to you, I know at funerals we like to think everyone's going to heaven. But not everyone's in heaven. Aunt so-and-so, uncle so-and-so, mama so-and-so, grandma so-and-so, grandpa so-and-so. Oh, no, no, no. If they're not Christians, they're not in heaven. Well, maybe they'll have a deathbed conversion. How sad that you wait till then. When you have truth in your heart and you dare not say anything to them or hold them accountable. And listen, a form of religion doesn't save you. I don't care how long they've sat in church or which beads they rubbed. It's about Jesus, you all. Do we understand what, what we're about to read here? Peter is warning these churches, or the church, don't let these teachings in. Stay with what you were taught. Trust in Christ. His death, his resurrection, his ascension, his glorification. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is victorious. Now live as such. Honor him. Live for him. Abide in him. Choose to deny yourself to pick up the cross and to follow him. He says here, 
This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you, look at this, more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By His divine power. Whose power? His power. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And I keep telling y'all, we are without excuse. we got to stop making excuses. Who gives us what we need to live what the life that He calls us to? God. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you, look at this, to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Oh, that the church would say, yes, Lord. Do you see how foolish we are to say we're Christians and to be enslaved to sin? And you say, but, but I sinned. But that doesn't have to define you. Repent and get up. Remember, I told you, you're not going to be sinless. But sin should not be your master. When you fall, get up. You need to walk away from some things and some people. Like I was saying on Wednesday. You need to. You need to stop allowing Friends, family, whoever, whatever, keep you down and enslaved. Because like, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do. Stop being insecure. Your wholeness and your completeness is in Christ. And look at what he's saying here. And because... He says here, we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Look, these are the promises that enable you. It doesn't say that these are the promises that keep you enslaved. No, they enable you to share who with who his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And don't we see that in our generation and have seen it throughout generations and the generations to come? People just want to live by how and what they desire. But because of the promises of God, He enables you to escape that way of living. Are you experiencing that today? Because you ought to be in view of all of this. So in this understanding, in view of all that we're hearing, make every effort. Who makes the effort? Yeah, you, me. 
make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement or add to. So this is what you're adding to your belief and to your confession. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence. Living right, not giving in to all of your desires and your wants. And moral excellence with knowledge. And add to knowledge, add self-control. And self-control, patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And with godliness, add brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. Do not go from this place today... And not do what we were just instructed. See, your Christian life has to be given thought to every single day, every hour, every moment. If not, you're going to be led astray. And remember, it's not based on your will. It's not based on you. It's all based on Christ in Christ. So you don't depend on yourself to add all of this. No, you depend upon Him. I can't, but you can. This is what you've called me to. This is what you say is available. I believe this, so help me, Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> I can't, but you can. Like, I have fallen, but he's quick to convict and pick up. And you say, okay, God, I'm sorry. And you move forward, adding to your faith. Look at what it says there. Moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, huh. patient endurance, godliness, and brotherly affection. And look at the promise there in verse 8. The more you grow like this, look, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if your Christian life, there's no level of growth, it's because you're not abiding in Him. You said a little prayer, poof, I'm a Christian, and you think that's what did it. Oh, no, 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 no. It's a belief and a confession. Day to day to day to day to day to day and forever. And everything begins to change in you. But, verse 9, those who fail, I want everyone to hear this, those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. And when you forget that your sinful nature has been cut away, guess what you live by? That sinful nature. Because the sinful nature is still within you got the flesh and you got the spirit the book of Galatians talks about. They are warring inside of you. Who's your master? That which you are cowering down to. Rather in gentle surrender to the spirit or forced surrender by sin. See, sin forces you down. It snatches you up. 
It drags you to death. The spirit is gentle. The still small voice. Rob, don't go that way. And love is displayed when we respond for all creation to witness. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Now, that work is not work towards your salvation, because, again, there's no working towards your salvation. You can't add anything to what Christ has done. That work is that everyday life, you're getting up and you're moving forward. Not in your own strength or in your own knowledge, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. Trusting and believing. Because <laughs> listen, there's a lot of creeping into the church where they're adding to and they're taking away. <laughs> And you can't add to this and you can't take away from it to make yourself right with God. It is all about what he has established and purposed. There's no way around it, you all. Though many have tried, and that picture I, I, I painted for you where they're being led to the slaughter with Jesus on their lips and to an eternal hell. Oh, we got to wake up. We gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and look at this. Look at this great promise. And you will never fall away. Then God will give you, look at this, a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Don't fall away. Persevere. Keep moving forward. Well, they call themselves Christians and they can live like that. Nothing's happening to them. I want to go along with them. No, no. Stay focused. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Because there's going to come a day. <laughs> then God will give you a grand entrance. See, that's what we're longing for, you all. That's the hope of a Christian. Is the day that we stand before our Christ and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in for eternity. For eternity. And I ask you, for those who keep drifting and going back, was that person, was that thing, was that thought, was that attitude worth it? Oh, it felt right in the moment. Stop living for the moment. Start living for eternity. Remember what we read last week? We've got to keep our eyes up. That is what we're striving towards each and every single day, looking up to the kingdom that is coming, to the kingdom that is present here among us. Don't keep falling away. Therefore, he says in verse 12, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. 
And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make you always remember these things after I'm gone. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes we, he, sorry, when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the, from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. But there were also false prophets in Israel. Just as there will be false teachers, look at this, among you. (laughs) They will cleverly teach, please listen to this, destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. And this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies, look at this, to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell and gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment, so God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast Flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example, look at this, of what will happen to ungodly people. Oh, we better be very careful of who we are allowing to teach God's word to us. Or we better be very careful to the so-called Christians in our lives that just keep living however they want to live and do whatever they want to do. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Their destruction is coming. I don't take that lightly. I shudder at the thought of going, oh, God. Oh, God. Verse 7, but God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was righteous. 
He was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue, God, I love this verse, godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desires and who despise authority. Oh, we better recognize this. And like I've said to you before, those who have twisted sexual desires are not our enemy. They're not. But we as a church cannot keep coming alongside them, patting them on their heads and on their back and just saying, oh, it's okay. Well, you know, just, you know, well, whatever. God loves you. No. From one who came from a twisted, sexual, perverted lifestyle, and I'm just not talking about homosexuality. I'm talking about porn. I'm talking about everything and anything. What God creates is good. The enemy perverts it and destroys it. And he if, 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 if flares our desires for it. And as we enter into Pride Month, we have churches going along in the pride parades. Well, I just want to give them a bottle of water. I, I just want to hug them, let them know they don't want your bottle of water and your hugs. Oh, but that's the way we witness. That's the way we move among them. Trust me, when I was waving my flag, <laughs> when I was in my short shorts and running amok on the streets in the parades, you Christians were a fool to me. And you're a fool to the rest of them. What they need people in their lives and around them that would be honest with them, not yelling at them, not damning them all to hell. So you can't go to that extreme. But you've got to get to a place where you can be honest with people. Listen, I respect you. You can live however you want. But let me tell you about the one who came. And like I shared with you and I've been sharing, the same gospel I preached to someone who was enslaved to homosexuality, bisexuality, transgender, whatever they want, whatever the confusion is, pedophilia, molesters, whoever they are, is the same gospel I preached to one who has a problem with lying, <laughs> who has a problem with authority, who has a problem with backbiting and tearing down and negative. Because the same hell that awaits them waits them. And there's only one who can deliver all of them. And his name is Jesus. Yes. And I love the fact that Peter himself says, he is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desires and despise authority. we got to wake up because the church is embracing 
every form of sin. Ah, just sit among us. <laughs> Woo, Jesus help us. Look how they're described. These people are proud and arrogant. Oh, they're proud, all right. Daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling. But the angels who are far greater in power and strength do not dare to bring from the Lord a charge of blasphemy against those supernatural beings. These false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instincts, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things that they do not understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. And just so you don't think, oh, that's just someone in the pulpit. No, that's for a Christian who's calling themselves a Christian and not living a Christian life. You're a false teacher. You're a false teacher. Because you're claiming Christ, and yet you're reflecting and you're teaching yet another way. So don't sit comfortable in your chairs and say, well, at least I'm not on the platform, I'm not teaching. Oh, no, 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 no. Along with them, you will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. And these are people in the church, you all. Don't forget, these false teachers, these people who are coming in, sitting and just being among the church, they think they're saved. But they're false. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin and they are well trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off of the right road and followed the steps of Balaam son of Beor who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. Hmm. These people are as useless as dried up springs or as a mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to the blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from the lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it 
and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. Oh God, that should make us tremble. Oh, get up from this place today and get back to where you've been. I pray you don't. I pray that today would be the day that we all would just fall on our face and say, Oh, God, make us tremble. It is better that you have never known. Oh, you're still, with not knowing, you're still facing destruction. Oh, but there's a darkest place. There's a place of an eternal torment of destruction for eternity for those who know of the way who pray the little prayer who claim the name of Jesus and live like a fool And when people escape the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get entangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit. Another says a washed pig returns to the mud. Come on, you all. I told you, if we've slipped away, if we've fallen away, if, we, if we've gone back to, to our desires and living however we want, like we've got to wake up. We've got to turn to Jesus and we've got to call upon the name of the Lord. And you said, but I've gone so far. No, you haven't. It's too late when you take your last breath. As long as there is breath in your body, Jesus is trying to get your attention. Turn from wickedness and turn to righteousness. That prodigal son got to the lowest, to the lowest, to the lowest point in a pig pen. I remember my father's house. I know what it's like to be loved. I remember the days he spoke so clearly. I remember when he wrapped his arms around me. I remember. I'll go back. I'll go back. Even if he just makes me a servant. I'll be better off. I'll take whatever. I'll go back. He made a fool of his father. He was a Jewish boy. What's he doing among the pigs? He, he wasted his inheritance. Like he's, he made a fool of his father. His father would have every right to say no. father didn't. The father looked out from a distance and saw his son walking. 
to filth all over him. And the father didn't say, clean him up first and then bring him to me. No, 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 no. The father ran to him and embraced him. Restored him. That's what the father wants to do, you all. There's always hope. But don't wait. Because you're not guaranteed this next moment. And then what are you going to say to him? Well, I was going to. At that moment, God is just and he is right to say, I don't know you. See, it doesn't fall on him. No, he's done everything, you all. We just read it. He's done everything for us to live a godly life. It is so crazy to me that since I've become a Christian and I've gone among churches, that I look at the mass sitting in churches and they don't know God. They make excuses for their sin. They make excuses to remain full of anger. And the Bible says don't even eat with someone who calls themselves a Christian and has an anger problem. You look at the masses of people sitting in churches calling themselves Christians and they're not reflecting a holy life. And you say, but, but I can't be perfect. Why are you putting it on yourself? It's not about being perfect. It is just about following Jesus. Be holy as he is holy. Deny yourself. Turn from yourself. In his power, not yours, add to your faith. And live. <laughs> Expecting each day. Like, God, bring your kingdom. God, I want to live for you. I'm tired of my past defining me. I'm tired of last hour defining me. No, God, I just want to live for you. And you fall on your face and you cry out to the Lord to be saved. You get up and you head back. Or, you can be those... <laughs> who know, have the knowledge of the way of righteousness, and yet still say, you're not God. <laughs> I'm going to do me. Ah, it's your choice. It's your choice. But remember God's justice. He gave you yet again another moment to hear him say, get up and come. Finally, this is my second letter to you, chapter 3, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I said, Lord, that's what preachers do. That's what Christians ought to be doing. You ought to be coming along people, especially if they're Christians, and stimulate their hearts and their minds with wholesome thinking and refresh their memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. That's why when you see these people on social media attacking Christians, when you see them in your own life and they're looking at you in your face and they're just la, 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 at you, don't react crazy. Just remember this verse. <laughs> They're going to mock you. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? 
For before times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. There's a day coming, you all. And that day is vastly approaching. No one knows the hour, no one knows the time. But watch prophecies. Watch what's happening in our nation. Watch what's happening over in Israel. See what's happening within governments around the world. Watch the move towards the one world government. Listen, I told you all, Something's exciting is happening. Though darkness is increasing, we are living in a generation where truth is rising up. All around these different countries, over in Europe right now, watch their elections, watch what's happening. There's a shifting taking place. Righteousness is coming up. There's a candidate coming up that's saying, wait a minute, we're not going the way of the one world government. There's a shifting taking place. There's an awakening taking place. Why? Because an awakening has taken place in our nation and other nations around the world are looking and they're saying, that's what we want. There is a heart's desire for people to turn back to what is right. And we have to seize the moment while the moment is at hand. Because there will come a day where it all has to fade away. But before that day comes, There is going to be a great move across the earth of righteousness. And as I'm sitting back and watching, saying, man, all this stuff should start collapsing around. There's an awakening taking place. There's an awakening taking place. And all of a sudden, people are getting these platforms to speak truth, to uphold truth. Oh, we better get excited about the time and the day and the hour that we are purposed for, you all. Because that sky, I mean, I thought about that verse too, where it says, and by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment. When ungodly people will be destroyed. When all hell hits this earth. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No! Please see this beautiful picture of our loving Father. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Do you hear the heart of the Father? So why is it that the church today doesn't even talk about repentance anymore? Doesn't even talk about hell. Everyone's going to heaven, they preach. Well, if that's the case... Well, then come, Lord, bring destruction. Finish this all off. But no, no. He, look at this. 
does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to serve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found, to make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember our Lord's patience. Remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. And this is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom of God, or the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite differently, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of those wicked people and lose your own secure footing. I know this is a very, very challenging thing to say, but I know what the enemy likes to preach out there. Once saved, always saved. All oh, they have been, never been saved. But every time I go and I search scripture, and I see where it says, and lose your own secure footing. Listen, it's not God that takes salvation away from you. He'll never do that. It's always available. It's your choice to go your way. It's your choice. And some people have a problem with me saying that. But scripture is very clear here. Very clear here. He says, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. Your security is in Christ and in Christ alone. So you must remain in Christ. But step out from him. Go your own way. Keep living a hellish life. You say, well, I'm not that bad. No, 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 no. You're bad. <laughs> Apart from him, there's nothing good within you. And I know people want to say, but, 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 but. But nothing. Your wholeness, your completeness, all comes from Christ. And that is who we preach. 
That is the gospel. That is the good news that we share. Not beating people down to people. No, just share Christ with them. If they come seeking, if they have confusion about their identity, if they don't know how to live, then just tell them of the one who came. Give them an opportunity to not only hear, but to witness him in your life. And so it goes back. To our scripture for this year. The kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk. But it's living by God's power. How are you going to talk about him. And then not live for him. You're no different from the ones who are around you that are lost. No we must be different you all. And again I understand the, uh, the, the dilemma of, of, of relationships, of, of, of stuff, of, of this and that, and of identity. I understand all of that. It was, it's not an easy decision to get up and say, I'm following you. I don't know where I'm going or what's going to happen to my life, but God, I'm trusting you. That all comes down to that, you all. Have you made a decision to follow Christ? Are you obeying him? He's, he's alive, you all. He is real. He's not a figment of our imaginations or not a nice little story. No, he is impacting and turning things around. He is moving and bringing about his plan and purpose. And before I play the last song, I just want you to hear this It's called, Satan will sing you to sleep. Waking up from spiritual indifference. It's by this guy named John Bloom. He says, you don't tell people about Jesus, quote, you don't tell people about Jesus because you don't care about their eternal state. His assertion stung, but I knew it was true. Confronted with the way he lives for the loss. It's truth was as obvious to me as the nose on my face. And like the nose on my face, I wasn't paying much attention to it until he called it out. But unlike the nose on my face, his assertion assertion was eternally significant. I recently met this remarkable man while traveling in the Middle East. He, along with his wife, is leading a rapidly growing movement of Muslims turning to Christ in a very restrictive part of the Islamic world. I had the great and exposing privileges of spending hours with him. I wish I could tell you more about his story, how Jesus called him and the incredible ways the Lord uniquely prepared him to make disciples and plant churches in a very dangerous place. His story is worth a book someday. For now, I will spare the details unless I in, in any way expose him. I must pass along something he shared with me, though, because we all might be ignoring the obvious and eternal significant nose on our collective Western Christian faces. To our own spiritual derailment, for sure, but also to the spiritual catastrophic of those around us. My new friend lives in an Islamic country. We're sharing the gospel. If you're caught, will get you thrown into prison and likely tortured to extract information about other Christians. 
Yet he and his wife are daily, diligently seeking to share the gospel with others because they want to share with them in its blessings, even more than they want their own survival. Each morning when this husband and wife part ways, listen to this, they acknowledge to one another that it might be the last time they see each other. She knows if caught, part of her torture will almost assuredly include her being raped, probably repeatedly. He knows if caught, brutal things await before a likely execution, for to them to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yet each day they prayerfully pursue the spirit of Jesus' direction in order to show the lost the way of salvation. And they are equipping other Christians to do the same. When I say prayerfully, I mean prayerfully. They and their fellow leaders spend a minimum of four hours a day in prayer and God's word and frequently fast for extended periods before they go out seeking souls. They do this because they need to. Spiritual strongholds do not give way and conversions don't happen unless they do this. One wrong move and a whole network of believers could be exposed. So they depend on the Holy Spirit to specifically lead them to people the Spirit has prepared. For them, the doctrine of election is not some abstract theological controversy for seminary students to debate. They see it played out in front of them continually. The spiritual gift debate is also a mute issue for them. They regularly see the Holy Spirit do things we read about in the book of Acts. As my friend described the Spirit's activity where he lives, it was clear that all the revelatory and miraculous spiritual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12-14 through 14 are a normal part of life for these believers because they really need them. They are not debating, you know, among each other. When you live under the threat of death daily, either life is Christ and death is gain to you or you will not last. So I learned that my friend was trans translated, has translated John Piper's original sermon series on um, Christian hedonism into his native language and used them as part of his core theological curriculum for believers. All those things are wonderful and encouraging as well as convicting to hear. But then he told me a disturbing story. A number of years ago, this man and his wife were given the opportunity to move to the United States, and they did. After living here for a period of time, however, the wife began to plead with her husband that they move back to their Islamic country of origin. Why? She told him, it's like there's a satanic lullaby playing here in the States, and the Christians are asleep. And I feel like I'm falling asleep. Please, please, take me back. Let's go back. Which they did, and they praised God for it. This story contains an urgent message we must hear. She wanted to go back to a dangerous environment to escape what she recognized as a greater danger to her faith. Spiritual lethargy and indifference. This should stop us in our tracks. Do we recognize this as a serious danger? How spiritually sleepy are we? According to my new friend, we can gauge our sleepliness by how the eternal states of, of non-Christians around us shape the way we approach life. 
Judging the general behavior of Christians in the West, it is clear to my friend that, as a whole, we all can point to remarkable exceptions, but we don't care much about people's eternal states. My friend and his wife are right. There is a satanic lullaby playing, even in churches across the West. Why else are we so lethargic in the midst of such relative freedom and unprecedented prosperity? Where is our collective Christian sense of urgency? Where are the tears over the perishing? Where is the groaning? Where is the fasting and prevailing intercession for those we love and those we live near and those we work with, not to mention the unreached of the world who have no meaningful gospel witness among them? Paul had a great sorrow and unceasing anguish in his heart over his unbelieving Jewish kinsmen. Do we feel anything like that? And Paul's spirit inspired urgency to bring the gospel to the lost, shaped with his whole approach to life. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. What is shaping our approach to life? If we think that kind of mentality was only for someone with Paul's calling, all we need to do is keep reading 1 Corinthians 9. It is clear that Paul means for us to run our unique faith races with the same kind of kingdom-focused mentality. If we're not feeling anguish over people's eternal state and ordering our lives around praying for and trying to find ways to bring the gospel to them, we are being lulled to sleep by the devil's soothing strains. It's time to start fasting and praying and pleading with God and one another to wake up. It matters not if we call ourselves Christians and believe we have an accurate knowledge of the doctrine of election if our knowledge does not lead us to feel anguish in our hearts over the loss and a resolve to do whatever it takes to save some. We do not yet know as we ought to know. What we need is to cultivate Paul's heart for the lost. My conversation with this new friend showed me that I do not yet know as I ought to know. But Father, I want to know as I ought to know. I repent of all lethargy and indifference, my sleepliness. I will not remain sleepy anymore when it comes to the eternal states of the unbelieving family and friends and neighbors and restaurant servers and checkout clerks all around me. According to Jesus in his parable of the ten virgins, spiritual sleepliness is a very, very dangerous condition. We need to get more oil now. There isn't much time. I want to be done with the satanic sleepliness and cultivate the resolve that led Charles Spurgeon, the unashamed preacher, to say, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with arms, with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, that it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned and unprayed for. Father, in Jesus' name, 
Increase my anguish over perishing unbelievers and my urgent resolve to become all things to all people that by all means I might save some, whatever it takes. I'm going to close this with this song. And then I'll close this in prayer.
thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you yet for another opportunity to hear truth. I pray that each of us, God, will be able to boldly and confidently cry out and know that we know that we know that we belong to you. All for what you have accomplished for us. Pray for those, God, that are among us today, God, who, God, know that they're living lives apart from you, living for their own desires. Pray that today would be the day, God, that they were awake, that they would respond, that they would believe in their hearts that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and confess with your mouth that he is rose or he is risen from the dead that they would be saved that they would be born again and that they would walk Father from this day forth with the assurance and the knowledge of your love of your great salvation. I pray, Father, for, for those who are walking, who are abiding in Christ. I pray, God, that they would continue, Father, to, to seek you. They would not grow religious, but, God, that they would grow determined and steadfast to endure, to persevere daily looking forward to your return to your kingdom I pray pray Father for the meal that we're about to partake of Lord I pray Father that you allow it to nourish our bodies Lord and we thank you Father for the provision for it we ask for those who are in need today God I think of my cousin Richie he will be put out on the streets this week, God, as he's a sick man. God, if the provision doesn't come forth, I pray, Father, that it would. I pray for this family that we've gathered for this month. I pray that it will be a blessing to them, Lord, and that you would continue to, to meet their needs. And ultimately, God, if, if they don't know you, that they would come to know you through this challenging season in their lives. That you would be Lord over their home and over their hearts. I thank you for each one in this room, God. And I pray, Father, that you would protect them and keep them, Lord, as they go from this place today. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you need prayer, hang back. If not, go ahead and make your way down.